Good morning. Uh, welcome once again in our, all of you here at Worship Center and also all of you in an online church. Uh, I was a world traveler uh, in February. I was so disappointed after the loss of chiefs, I left this country <laughs> and visited my home country and met my parents uh, and they gave me a great time. I just traveled back last Tuesday. Uh, my jet lag was a little delayed. I might be a little uh, less uh, um, energized this morning, but I'll do my best. So hope you uh, just hear from a world traveler uh, who fully emotionally charged, uh, not physically. I want to share the message uh, from Luke chapter 4. It is titled, The Temptation of Jesus. I'm going to read Luke chapter 4. Uh, Verse 1 through 13, before I start uh, my message. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil, He he ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, Command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Amen. Last Wednesday, the season of Lent began. Many of you came and received the mark of cross on your forehead. Lent is 40 days plus 6 Sundays for the celebration of Easter. I missed the Lent. As you heard from Matt earlier, we didn't have an in-person Lent last year. So this is first season of Lent here at Platteus for me. And this season reminds us, all of us the 40 days Jesus spent in the wilderness before he's the beginning of his public ministry. And also, we can hear a lot of uh, number 40s In our Bible, that's what early church found. I don't know how many 40s you remember from the stories in the Bible. Let me start with the story of Moses. You know, he lived 40 years in Egypt first, and then he was in the wilderness for 40 years, and he moved back to Egypt to rescue his people. Then he lived another 40 years uh, in the wilderness. And as he was in the Mount Horeb for 40 days, actually twice, to receive God's laws. 
And also he sent the spies to investigate the promised land. Those spies stayed there for 40 days to know who lived there or what's going on in the land. And also we can find a lot of other 40 stories from uh, prophets. Uh, Prophet like uh, uh, Ezekiel laid on his right side for 40 days just to symbolize Judah's sins. It's very weird. And then also a prophet Eliza, he went 40 days without food or water at Mount Horeb. So to ancient Israel, the 40 years basically means like a one full generation. Their king, who were in good rule, they usually had a 40 years rule uh, for Israel. And also 40 days mean the time of repentance or the amount of time people can be changed. And today's scripture lesson, you can find Jesus was tempted by the uh, devil. Not just the three times, but many times during the 40 days and nights when he was in the wilderness. And according to the book of Acts, later, the resurrected Jesus appeared to his disciples for 40 days to talk about the kingdom of God. In our days, the season of Lent, as we heard from Pastor Evie last Wednesday and Ash Wednesday services, it becomes a time for us to acknowledge our humanness. That's what we recognized, and actually through all this season, kind of we can recognize it through all this season. And also it is a time for us to dig deep and discover what it is that keeps us from God. And it is a time for us to yearn for a new life, a new relationship with God. So if you are new in our church, in this worship, you're at the right time. This is a season you can explore your relationship with God fully with the expectation of upcoming celebration of Easter. And it is a time for us to make a room for Christ in our life. And it's a time for us to seek God's grace. Land speaks to us. We are just merely human. We have turned away from God so many times, yet we are marked by God. And even in our failures and flaws, we are called back to God. So land is our journey toward the life God has for us? Maybe it is more than journey. Too many of you, you already had a lot of lands in your lifetime. Lent is time of spiritual battle. From the Old Testament, we can find living as God's people in the world cannot avoid spiritual battles. In the New Testament, we can find following Jesus in the world is a spiritual battle too. Following Jesus means seeking the kingdom of God and great commandment and Jesus taught. We heard about uh, in February the, through the upside down sermon series how the kingdom of God, the values and what we practice in the kingdom of God is different from the world we live and our, what our culture says. When we turn to God, when we are baptized in spirit, we find what our culture values, what our life cherishes usually is no longer compatible with 
what the kingdom of God values and cherishes. That's the moment, actually, the temptation comes. That's the moment we are tested. That's the story of Jesus in Luke a chapter I just read for you. When Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, he was tempted by the devil. Even though he was led by the Spirit, even though he prayed much more than any other time in his life, the devil approached to him. Believe it or not, it was a very opportune time for the tempter. In the daily Christian life, think about the situation when you feel very spiritual on some Sunday morning, you are fully ready, and you wake up your children and set up the breakfast table and make them ready for the church. You are so excited because you feel spirited that morning. And on the way to the church, suddenly one word or one conversation really bothers you, annoys you, and destroys your Sunday morning when you're live at the church parking lot, your Sunday already gone. <laughs> or in your daily life, you open the day with the wonderful prayer or devotion time. Then when you open a single text message or work-related email, that what you just read just screw up your emotion. Your day's gone. All those experiences, when you come and sit here in the worship center or attend our online worship, you cannot focus on your pastor's message, right? I know you are looking at me, but your mind is not with me, right? Because of those things. On those moments, I hope you remember the story of Jesus tempted in the wilderness. It is a very typical tactic of our ancient enemy. The devil attacks when we are trying to do the right thing, when we make a collective effort to turn toward God and work for the kingdom of God. This crafty, wily, powerful, ancient enemy, tempter, tried to deceive you and me, saying, this is not the day, or you are not lovable, or you are not good enough. Or from the, the opposite direction, it might say, you are okay, you are great, but they are not. They are the problem. This morning, I would like to explore, explore what temptations come and when it comes, so how we can understand this from the story of Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness. In Luke's gospel, we can find three temptations are described. It is well summarized in the book, actually, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's really hard to pronounce. That's the kind of book uh, we're going to use for our, uh, I want to say, EHS class and Thursday, uh, Thursday evening class. We just opened it last Thursday. So whether you are in this class or not, I hope you can find uh, this book and read it. It's a really good one. In this book, Three temptations are uh, described like this. Jesus faced, and what Jesus faced was, I am what I do, I am what I have, and I am what others think. There are three temptations here. First one is about performance. 
Second one is about possession. The last one is about popularity. Let's start with temptation one, which is I am what I do. The devil said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become a loaf of bread. It is known that Jesus um, began his ministry at the age of 30. In Luke chapter 3, verse 23, Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his work. It means, as a perspective of ministry, Jesus had apparently done nothing for 30 years. He had not yet begun his ministry. In Judaism, age 13 is considered the age when people become responsible for their actions and they are to be treated as adults. Gospel of Luke recorded how Jesus was smart when he was a little boy. He was able to teach and talk to the uh, teachers and, uh, and in the temple. I just wonder why he didn't start his ministry earlier. He could teach more. He can reach more people. Why he waited until 30 years old? We all heard about John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. He was, very, he was probably less than a year older than Jesus, but he was already popular, famous. He did his ministry. He baptized people in the River Jordan. Everybody knew John, but Jesus was nobody. Our gospel said he went to John. He was baptized. After he was baptized, after he received the baptism of Holy Spirit, he went to the wilderness for the 40 days and 40 nights and with the temptation. Then he began his public ministry. By that moment, Jesus seemed like a loser. Everyone went to John. Nobody believed in him. He was hungry. He was hungry, actually. His hunger was more than just physical thing. We know Jesus had accomplished later what he accomplished. But think about Jesus at the age of 30. And what contribution had he made to the world, even though he was called the Son of God by the tempter? Our world, our culture asks the same question. Are you useful? What have you achieved and what do you do? People consider themselves worthwhile if they have score sufficient success in work, family, school, and relationship. We Christians are not much different from them. Actually, our list is longer. We must score good in all our relationship in our daily life, plus we have to score for the kingdom of God for our spiritual life, for our church, our ministry, and our mission. When we don't, we usually move harder, faster, go inward into depression of, out of shame, or perhaps blame others for our uh, predicaments. You may not, but many pastors do. I heard a lot of good pastors burn out and, and leave their ministry because they burden to score sufficient success in every place of life, their marriage, their relationship with children, parents, and friends. 
and they try to have more prayer time without missing uh, replies to a single message they received. They try to visit more people without missing their sermon preparation time. And they try to be a 24-7 pastor without giving up the role of 24-7 parent. When it didn't happen, they tried harder. Jesus' temptation story talking about how to avoid the trap of success. When the devil said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread, Jesus knew who he is is more than what he does or what he could do. And you and I are the children of God, regardless of our scores in life. You are still lovable when you fail, when your life is not that much successful. You don't have to prove yourself useful before God to be a child of God. Actually, if your cup is filled with success or yearning for success, there's no room for God's grace in your life. Life is more than success. It is more than bread. Your God is true home. You can rest when you fail, when you are hungry. Your God still loves you without your success. And your God is like a good family, a true home. God knows you are much more than your success. God doesn't require it when you come to Christ. Your relationship with Christ is defined beyond what you can do what you have accomplished. And we have to remember that this to overcome for the first temptation. The temptation too is, I am what I have. Jesus was taken to see the all magnificence and power of the earth. The devil basically said to him, look around you what everyone else has. You don't have anything. How can you think you are somebody? How will you survive? You are a nobody. Devil played a profound issue of fear and the source of his security. Our society, our culture, measures our success by what we own. Have you heard biology, B-U-Y-O-L-O-G-Y? The business marketers study why we buy. I believe some of you have some expertise on this if you are working for this type of some business or if you are, uh, had some business background. When you understand your market and the need of your customers, your business should be more successful. In our world, we are not only customers, but also we are merchandise. We want to be valued more. So we study and receive an, the degree and shape our body and appearance. And we post good, uh, actually successful images on social medias. Look Facebook, everyone is beautiful. Everyone has a wonderful life. Nobody fails and everyone has, seems to have the whole world. Look at the pictures I posted when I was in Korea. It's wonderful, everything was going well. We know that is not true. And that is not real. In real life, we find people fail. You and I fail, and relationship is broken. We face people' own defensiveness, detachment from others, arrogance, stubbornness, hypocrisy, 
judgmentalism, a lack of vulnerability. Sometimes, and many times, we Christians may not be different from those people we meet in the world. We measure ourselves through comparison. Who has more? Who has better career? Who is educated better and more? Who has more attention? Who gives more? Without thinking, we long for what others have. We yearn what we don't have. We worship those who have what we don't have. And we become the slaves of what we want to possess. Or our only concern is to keep what we have safely and use them to be more powerful in the world. Jesus answered the devil, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Do not worship what you possess or what you want to possess. Trust God and learn contentment. Don't compare what you have with what others have. God doesn't compare you with others. So don't compare yourself with others. It is second temptation. When you compare, you should blame others or blame yourself or be angry at God. The temptation three is, I am what others think. It's about popularity. Some people are addicted to what others think. Frankly, we all did when we were a little younger. Hope we don't do it any longer. Devil invited Jesus to throw himself down from the highest spot of the temple that people might believe in him. At this point, people, people didn't think of Jesus. He was a nobody, as I said before. He was, in fact, invisible at the age of 30. How could Jesus think he had worth and value? Most of us place a higher premium on what other people think than we realize. What will I say or not say in a conversation? What school will my children attend? Who will I date? What kind of career will I pursue? True freedom comes when we no longer need to be somebody special in other people's eyes. We have to remember we are lovable and good enough. When humans were created, God was so happy. God loves each of us. And our Bible witnesses, God of Israel is a God who loves ordinary people. I would say under ordinary people, people who have no power and influence and popularity in the world. Each of us is unique. Each of us was created in the image of God. You are not God's mistake. Your children are not God's mistake. You are lovable. You are well-beloved by your creator. And for you, Jesus gave himself. And God knows you whether others know you or not, whether people recognize who you truly are or not, whether you have popularity or not. Do not undervalue what God created. Each of us is God's masterpiece and God's favorite. God roots for you and me. I think that is enough. So Jesus answered the devil. It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Trust God 
and what God has done for you. In the desert, Jesus probably faced many other temptations. Frankly, I don't like to call them temptations. Temptations are things coming out from our own desire. But what Jesus experienced is from the tempter outside. So I would like to call it as a test rather than temptation. In this test, Jesus didn't give up even though he was in the desert, even though he was a nobody at that time. The story of Jesus' test, temptation, teaches us how our new life in Christ is different from others think. New life in Christ is not defined by our performance, possession, or popularity. It is defined by how we fully live our life, how we live in relationship with God to rebuild the image of God in us to the world. Living a full life, living a living life is the way to worship God, the way to glorify your creator. We like to say we like to live for the glory of God. If, we really ha- if you want really it happens in your life, live fully your life. Rebuild the color, your color, the colors God created for you. Live like the salt, season the world. Even in the desert, Jesus knew it. He expanded our definition of full life. During the season of Lent, I hope you expand your definition of full life too. As Jesus said, abandon what others say what people think, and seek who you are in the eyes of your creator. And find how God defines your life. You are much more than what you do and what you have. For that, make a room for new life. Let down your guard. God is ready to fill your cup in this season of Lent. Your life should overflow with God's grace. For that, empty your cup. Make a room for God's grace. And return to God with all your heart. Let us pray. We want to prepare ourselves, O God, in this season of land. We want to empty our yearning for performance, possession, and popularity. And we would like to make a room for your grace in our life. Change our hearts, O oh God. Fill our cups with your grace. In Christ we pray. Amen.